Well, this morning as we think about uh, prayer, I want to quickly go back to last week. And one of the things that we covered last week as we looked at Isaiah chapter 58 through to 62 was we spoke about the fact that one of the reasons why the, uh, the people of God felt that God wasn't answering their prayers was not because they weren't asking, but because they weren't acting. That there were things that God has expected them to do and had made it very clear to them that this was what they should do, but they weren't doing it. They were asking God for all kinds of things. Meanwhile, God was trying to, as we've just demonstrated, he was trying to align them to what he was already asking of them. They were missing out on the action of what God was telling them to do. And so even though they had their meetings and rituals and sacrifices and their fast days and all of their asking, they weren't allowing those places to align them with what the God of all creation was asking of them. And so he, he was not able or he was not at that moment going to answer these other prayers until they came in alignment with what was really needed. And I tie these two together for the very reasons that I said earlier on, that one of the primary purposes of the place of prayer is to bring us into alignment with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and, and what He asks of us so that our life becomes one of both asking and acting. We act in alignment with what God is asking of us. And when we do that, our prayers also take on a new life and a new vibrancy and perhaps a new vocabulary and direction. Our asking shifts as well. And so today, well, last week we spoke about the action, what God wants to bring us in alignment with in his good and righteous and loving kingdom reign and rule. We are also those who want to be in the place of prayer asking. And as we align ourselves with God, it's amazing how our asking will begin to change. And asking him is important because there are other parts of the scripture that we can go to that say this very thing. We briefly mentioned it last week, Jeremiah 29, 7. And again, I hope the, the words will be on the screen. Jeremiah 29, 7. We read it last week. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And that verse captures these two things, act and ask. We have seek. Now, that really means that there needs to be some involvement by the people of God in the place that they have been exiled to, in this city that they are in. Seeking means you've got to work and act and speak and live and influence in ways that will bring about God's good kingdom. And if you read around Jeremiah 29, that's exactly what God is asking them to do. Move in, get settled, and influence for good the place in which you're living, this city. So that was how they would seek the peace and prosperity, but then they were to pray to the Lord for it as well. So do you see it again? Act and ask. 
It is both and, not either or, when it comes to our life with God. And that's why both of these are so central. And then later on in Jeremiah uh, chapter 29, we find these words. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So in this period of exile, God is realigning them back with himself. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God knows what he's doing. He's faithful. But he might have to bring us into some alignment with him again. Then it goes on. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find you me when you seek me with all your heart. It's acting, but it is also asking. Those places of prayer, when we are calling on his name, come and pray, I'm listening. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And there's something about seeking God with all our heart that is willing to say, Lord, if I am out of alignment with you, I am willing to be brought back into line because I'm seeking you with all my heart. And so if there are things in my life that are contrary, bring me, bring me back into alignment with you. If I'm wandering from your love, bring me back under your love. If I'm wandering from your way, Lord, my heart is set on you. Bring me back into your ways again. Sent me to 12 o'clock. Your 12 o'clock. Asking and acting. And when we pray like this, he says, I listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now I know from my own experience, I can tell the difference between just my kind of prayer and my seeking God with all my heart. It is qualitatively and quantitatively different when I seek God with all my heart. That's the kind of praying that we want, that God wants. Or those well-known verses from 2 Chronicles 7, 14, because asking is important. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, do you see it again, this aligning, this act and ask combining together in the life of prayer in perhaps one of the most regular verses of Scripture that we use when we talk about prayer. It begins by the people of God humbling themselves. And when we humble ourselves, what we're really saying to God is, once again, Lord, not my way but yours. If I'm, if I'm not on the right track, bring me to your 12 o'clock. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turning from their wicked ways, alignment, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Because part of prayer is bringing the people of God back into that direction with God, that alignment with him. 
Well, I want to read something from the New Testament now because I want us to model our life of prayer and root it in the model of Jesus, the example of Jesus. So I want to read some scripture from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. The reason I've chosen this today is because at the end of uh, the sermon this morning, I want us to move into a time of prayer. Um, You'll be aware that we have been uh, advertising for two new posts, and uh, the deadline for those applications was on Friday, and we we got, uh, I think, 18 applications altogether across the two posts. And we'll now to go through that process of assessing them and uh, deciding what to do, who to bring back for interview and making appointments and, and all of that. Take a bit of time. But I want us to be praying together this morning for our city and for these appointments. And so we're going to do that towards the end. And so I've chosen a passage of scripture to help launch us into that. It's our starting point, not our end point. From Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, it reads like this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he'd also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, that that reading is significant for us just now and for this season that we're in as a church as we appoint some new staff people. Now, I'm going to come back to this later, but I hope it's not a, a huge step to launch or to take to say, you know what, if Jesus disappeared for a whole night of prayer before he appointed some folk, then the Church of Jesus Christ probably ought to be more in prayer before it does any appointing. And so we've been praying as a board, but, and I know you've been praying as a congregation this morning, we'll do it together as a response to this and pray and seek God's face. But we're going to come to that. But actually the, the book of Luke is, is kind of like the book of prayer of all the gospels. Luke's gospel often speaks about prayer. It focuses, it's one of its key themes to speak about prayer. It's a highlight in Luke's writing. And if you were to look at the verses that precede the passage that we've just read, you'll see that Luke is really determined to note that Jesus prays, that Jesus intentionally takes time away to be with his heavenly Father and to be renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit, that his alignment with, as the Son would be with the Father and the Spirit. And so I want us to walk through some of those places. So Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Jesus has been in the wilderness, in the desert. It's a place of seeking. And in that place of seeking, he goes in in the power of the Spirit. It goes in full of the Spirit, but comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something has changed in the period of seeking that Jesus comes out stronger, more aligned, more ready for what was happening because of his time in seeking. And as he was praying in the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, a place of retreat, fasting prayer, something happened. Now we go back to Luke 3, 21, missed one out. In Jesus' baptism, it's the only 
record of the baptism where we hear about the Spirit of God descending on Jesus as he prays. Now, the other places where we find the baptism don't mention this, but Luke is keen to say that there's something about the place of prayer, that place of asking, seeking, that allows space for the welcoming and the descending of Holy Spirit, who brings strength and love and power. And so as Jesus prays, the Spirit falls. As he seeks in the wilderness, the Spirit falls on him. Jesus leaves in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4, 42, we read about Jesus retreating to a solitary place for prayer at daybreak. Why? So that he can pray. And then we come to Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke reminds us. Luke 6, 12, we've already gone through it. Jesus on the mountainside through the night, praying before appointing his disciples. We're talking what? Three, four chapters in the early stages of Luke's gospel. And he's saying, this is priority. If this is priority for Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, then so too for his followers. And that in that seeking, we give space not only to be aligned with the Father, but to be filled with the Spirit so that we can do what he is asking us to do, so that we can act having asked. And so Luke leaves us in no doubt about the priority of prayer in the life of Jesus and therefore in the life of Jesus' followers, whether it's individually or collectively. But what you'll notice is in between, so how many, I'd say one, two, three, four, five, six places where we're very clearly instructed or, or shown about Jesus' pattern of prayer. In between all of this, Jesus is going back out and he's meeting people. He's meeting people in his everyday life, in homes, in streets, in towns, in businesses, in tax offices, in the fishing places, in agriculture, in farming as well as places of worship. So if you go back, I probably should have said in the same way that I got you to read Isaiah 58 to 62, I should probably have got you to read Luke 3 through to 6. But what you'll see is this movement of Jesus praying and then going into the normal, ordinary places of life in the power of the Spirit. It wasn't just in the places of worship like the synagogue, but all kinds of places in the power of the Spirit. He goes following those places of prayer. He's ready to face whatever comes because of that decision to retreat into the secret place to be with Father and Spirit, to be aligned and strengthened before he moves out. So it'll be interesting just to look at some of those places in which Jesus goes. So we can go to the, the next slide. So from the first two, his baptism, and then the wilderness, uh, Jesus is kind of propelled out into the synagogue, and he kind of declares what he sense, senses the Father's will and purpose is for his coming. And he picks up the scroll of Isaiah 61 and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted release for captives, recovery of sight for the blind. And then he said in 
this reading has been fulfilled in your hearing. He, he's heard, he's aligned, he's got his 12 o'clock from the Lord, from the Father. And now he's declaring it in the synagogue. But immediately after that, we find him moving then into the home of, of Simon's mother-in-law. And in the home of Simon's mother-in-law, who's unwell, he brings healing to her. So one minute he's in a place of prayer, seeking, but the next he is out in a synagogue in Peter's mother-in-law's house. Luke 4, 42, he seeks out a, a solitary place, but from that place, he goes down to Lake Gennesaret to the fishing dock. He's with the fishermen. He's in with the industry of fishing as it would have been on at that time. His praying is now about to impact and affect the business of the fishermen. And then after that, he moves into the streets in the town of Galilee, where he meets uh, those who need healing. And so we have Jesus being propelled into the other places, but prepared from the place of prayer. Luke 5.16, he retreats to a quiet place to pray. But from that quiet place to pray, he, he ends up in someone's home. Uh, he ends up at a tax office. Uh, he ends up at a tax collector's home. He ends up in fields, in farming, with those who are in agricultural industry. And then again at the synagogue. You see the ways in which his retreat into prayer it is not just some kind of spiritual uh, isolated incident, but rather it is the place from which he's propelled out into the ordinary everyday courses of life. Now, I want to plant you in this. Plant us in this. Because we operate in these places, offices and, and homes and, and streets and in-laws and fields and tax and all kinds of stuff where we are meeting people. And sometimes in, in these places, Jesus is just a sign and a witness in what he says, and sometimes he's praying with them too. But he has retreated to seek the Father, to be strengthened by the Spirit, so that he's ready for what is about to come. And then on the night where he's praying about his disciples, his apostles, on a mountain, he comes down and the base of the mountain where he meets with a large crowd Prayer can be for anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a certain place, but I think there needs to be a mixture of this retreating type of prayer where we really are seeking God and his presence. But that that's not the end of our prayer. But our prayer life, our communication with God continues wherever we are. Whether you're going to the tax office which, by the way, if you've got a tax return to be in, it's coming up 31st of January. Make sure you get it in. You've got a hundred pound fine if you don't. It may be the office that you work in. It may be your in-laws. It may be the streets of the place you are, your neighborhoods. But we continue that conversation with God, looking for him to align us with the true north, with his 12 o'clock as we seek him. It's both and that retreating prayer, but that ongoing prayer, so that we are living in that conversation with God from day to day. So there's three things that I want to kind of finish with, just as reminders about 
the life of prayer. The first is this, the place of prayer. Prayer is prayer, wherever it is, whether you're on your own or whether you're gathering with others, whether in your homes or in your workspace or at school or university or college, whether you're in your car praying with your eyes open. I did pray with someone in the car yesterday and they did actually say to me, you're not closing your eyes, are you, as you pray? I said, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, in your team, you know, it's possible to be in a situation, in a team situation, perhaps in your work, listening to what is being said, perhaps struggling to know where to go with all this, and be praying internally, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Give us a way through. Give us a sense of what needs to be done here. It's possible. Try it. Maybe you all do it already. My experience is a lot of people have never thought about that. But even in our work situations, as we're hearing things and we're praying, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Wherever we are, in the park, in the church, at a friend's house, in the toilet, wherever you are, there is no out of bounds for the place of prayer. And in those conversations, both the ones of retreat where we're really seeking out a place, a quiet place to seek the Lord, or whether it is the movement of our life through the day, we maintain that conversation with God and we are being aligned, listening for his voice. Both the secret place and the scattered place. The place of prayer is wherever you are, whenever you are. So, so don't miss Jesus' withdrawal to pray, the secret place. These are some of the most important and intimate times you'll have with God. If you're wondering whether your life with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whether intimacy with God is there, I, I want you to ask, are, honestly, are you seeking out God in those quiet places? We need them personally and we need them collectively where we take time to withdraw in, a, in those places and seek God, where we learn to pray more deeply, more closely, more honestly with God and we give him space to do in us what needs to be done. But then Jesus also was praying out and about in his everyday life, the scattered places, the ongoing connection with his heavenly father in all he was doing which sometimes meant praying for others as well. I'm amazed, um, saddened as well, about how parochial the church and some people can be when it comes to thinking about prayer. You know, we can only pray in certain places or in certain ways. We, uh, we started life groups and uh, prayer and encounter evenings and nights which actually would have increased the amount of people praying. And some people refused to come because it wasn't the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Sorry, I don't understand that. It is not always the place of prayer that matters. I want to be in prayer wherever I am. And we need to dismiss parochial mindsets on the kind of prayer the church should be doing. Actually, in our life groups and in our encounter evenings, more prayer happens now than ever before. 
And I want us to enter into places where prayer happens and to do so regularly and to call in the name of the Lord, both individually and together. We've had prayer times in homes. We've had prayer times in cafes. We don't always have to have them in the church building. We'll have some in the church building, and that's good too. But we don't opt out of prayer because it's not our preference how or where or when it's held. Actually, we adjust with one another, and we seek God because that's what he asks us to do the place of prayer. I understand there's preferences, but let's be clear. Prayer is not limited by a location. Then the power of prayer. Often we think about the power of prayer in terms of great healings and miracles, and we don't want to neglect that. I, I, I pray for more. God, do more among us. Prayers of healing and of the miraculous, God, come and do among us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus did, and he said that his followers would do even more, even greater things. So I long for that along with you. But I think some of the most powerful prayers, the power of prayer, are the ones that bring us into line with the heavenly Father. His ways, his will. They are powerful prayers. And they can also be the most difficult prayers. Jesus' life of prayer was one of aligning with his heavenly Father, and it was powerful. We, we mentioned some of, of the examples of the way in which Jesus would retreat so that he could align with what the Father wanted to do. And so when he came out, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted. He was aligned with the Father's will and purpose for his coming. But there's another place that I want us to think about, about Jesus' prayer life, which is the Garden of Gethsemane. What a place of power prayer that is. But it doesn't turn out the way we might have expected it. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prays, not my will, but yours be done, as he stares the reality of the cross, as he looks to his inevitable death, he says a very honest prayer to his heavenly Father. Lord, if it's possible for this cup to be taken from me, then so be it. But not my will, but yours be done. My goodness. Now that's a power prayer right there. That before his Father, he says, I may not want this, Lord, but align me with what you say. Not my will, but yours. That's power prayer. And then, he received what was needed from the Father and the Spirit for the road that was ahead of him. And he received the power that he would need to face the cross. The temptation is to see prayer as primarily asking God to do what we want. God, align with me as if we're somehow God. Lord, help us if God answers every prayer that I have that wants to align him with me. Remember the film Bruce Almighty? This is becoming infectious, Jeff, talking about films, it seems, uh, after your confession of addiction to films. Now, this film, Bruce Almighty, where 
You know, he, he is given the opportunity to be God and doesn't know how to react or respond to it, so just says yes to everything and there's chaos. Imagine the chaos, honestly, if God said yes to everything you ever asked of him. I think it was Billy Graham that said that if he'd asked, if God had answered the prayer, who to marry, yes, every time, he'd have married the wrong person seven times. Prayer is about aligning us with what God has to say and do. And so we're aligned with him. We don't ask God to align with us. We humble ourselves and align with him. These are some of the most powerful phrases. These are some of the most powerful prayers in the Bible. Not my will, but yours be done. So, That might sound something like this in your prayers. Lord, help me to love those not like me. That's a tough prayer. Lord, help me forgive. Give me compassion. Help me be patient. Lord, remove the anger and hatred within me. Lord, let me see what you see. Let me live as you live. Let me love as you love. Those prayers might sound like this. Love, Lord, help me to love my neighbor. They might sound like this. Lord, help me to love my enemy. If you're concerned about that, read Matthew 5 and Romans 12. It might sound like this, Lord, deal with my pride, my arrogance, my judgmental spirit. The power of prayer is sometimes displayed, not just in the extraordinary, but in the ordinary of what God needs to do in our lives to bring us into alignment with him. The power of prayer is there. The place of prayer, the power of prayer, and we finish with the priority of prayer. I don't want there to be any assumptions in Trinity about the place of prayer. I want it to be explicit that it's a priority. That's why we try to multiply prayer rather than limit it. A church without a vision and a passion for prayer won't have what it needs to do everything that God is asking it to do, whether gathered or scattered. And in Jesus' ministry, seeking his heavenly Father, being strengthened in the Holy Spirit was priority. His starting point, his midpoint, his returning point, his end point. This is where the right power is given for the right things as we seek God. And of course, prayer does also mean praying for other people and other things and situations in our lives and needs and struggles that we have and face. But it also is just seeking God and becoming aligned with him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Our withdrawing and our living are to be lives of prayer. 
giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Prayer is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. That's what he asks us to do. And so we're going to move into a time of prayer. And we are asking you very specifically in this time to pray for the place we are in, in the seeking of new staff, new appointments, just as Jesus did when he went to a mountainside in this prayer that's been happening. But I want us to take time to pray now as the people of God gathered in worship. So I'm going to ask the worship group to come up.